Welcome to the Olympod with myself, the critically acclaimed John Dedden, the iconic voice of global sport, Dave Rogers, and one of, if not the best pound for pound amateur boxers to come through GB and future world champion, Luke Campbell. Thanks Hello. so much for coming on. It's great to have you here, Luke. Yeah, good to be here. Always good to talk to you. Well, it's just like eight years on from London 2012. Does it feel like it's been that long? Crazy. No, it doesn't. It really feels half of that. Yeah. Really does. Don't feel like it was eight years ago. How, how often do you take a trip down memory lane? Because that's what we want to do today, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I sometimes... I sometimes look back on YouTube and, and look at the um, some of the Olympic fights of myself. Um, yeah, not too often, but I do now and again. But there's only, I think, there's only three three of the fights on there. All of them are on there uh, on YouTube. But um, I, do, I do look on uh, now and again. Never squander. Do you ever think to yourself, thank God I don't have to make 56 kilos anymore? <laughs> I would never in a million years be able to make that weight again. <laughs> what are you walking around at at the moment? I think I'm the only fighter to come out the amateurs and move up four weight divisions. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. None of them. No one's done that. No one's come out of the amateurs and, and gone into the professionals four weights above. I was going to ask you what you did after the Olympics. Because when was your first fight? It was the April after the Olympics. I was going to ask you what you did in that time, but enjoy some food by the sound of things. <laughs> yeah, just I rested my body and I let it grow. Um, I've constantly, from the age of... 14, 13 years old, just been dieting and and um, making weight all the way through school. And, you know, I was very tall for the weight. It served me well. Um, but, yeah, I was just as an amateur, constantly dieting and making weight and starving my body. Yeah, and that must have got harder and harder as the tournament went on, having to make the weight every morning and then you got a box four or five times within the next number of days. It must um, have, by the time you got to the Olympic final, you must have been feeling it a bit. Yeah, I mean, you could see that my my face, I think at the start of the Olympics, um, was was more filled by the end of the Olympics. Like by the end of the Olympics of staying on the weight for two weeks, like my face looked a little bit, little bit drawn in at the end of it. But yeah. I still felt good every time I got in there and boxed. Yeah, well, and probably, I mean, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to talking about the final itself, but you probably boxed your best in the final. Like, you sort of really, really peaked at exactly the right time. Yeah. Um, you know, you never get an easy fight in the Olympics, do you? But, um, you know, it was 1-1 going into that with me and Nevin. Um, he beat me in 2009. And then I beat him in 2011. So it was one apiece. Um, but he looked very confident going into that final. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it was it was a great final, fantastic fight. But, you know, I, 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 the right man certainly won that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we're, we're skipping ahead a little bit here, but since we're talking about the final, um, what do you remember about sort of immediate aftermath when you had your arm raised and you knew you'd won? Just literally just a roller coaster of emotions um, because this was one moment I dreamed of my whole boxing career. You know, half of my life was all for this one moment. And then, you know, years before, and I'd picture myself there uh, and I'd be crying myself. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was in that moment. So it was like, you're happy. I think it's the first time I've ever cried with happiness. Yeah, it was um, it, it was surreal. Um, something I'll never forget. But, you know, it's on the other hand, there, there was, I've I seen a lot of other fighters during the Olympics that all that support and positivity sort of broke them. Like they couldn't handle that. But I sort of tried to turn that for me. So I was thinking that's going to benefit me and sort of turned it into, yeah, I need that. But I watched, I watched a fair few fighters like just crumble under that pressure of all them people cheering and supporting them. And it, and it got a little too much for him. Yeah. Because it's easy to forget. In the Excel at London 2012, it was insanely loud. Like, I was at I was at the Olympics in Rio, and it just wasn't like that in the arena. That yeah. wall of noise is a lot to... Like, it was amazing to see, yeah. amazing, but a lot to handle as well when you're trying to focus on the, focus on the yeah, task. Yeah, I mean, 10,000 strong. Every boxing show. Did that... I mean, I'm assuming that your your plan was always, you know, do well at the Worlds, do well at the Olympics, and then go into the pro game. Did that? No. That wasn't my plan. Oh, really? No. My plan was to win a gold medal and retire. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's what I said. I said to Anthony Agogo uh, right at the beginning of the Olymp- uh, when we went into the Olympic Village. I said, if we go, both get gold medals, we'll just retire. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously after the Olympics I'd got my gold medal after the Olympics had been and gone sort of um, I, I did a Dancing on Ice TV show which was great yeah. um, and I had some time away from boxing and before that I'd never really ever had two weeks away from boxing um, out my whole life but um, in that time is I really missed it and there was a real passion inside of me that was just burning inside of me saying, like, you're, not, you're nowhere near done. And I, really, I actually really want to go into the pros to, to see what I can do, to see what I'm made of and to see how far I can go. Um, and, that, and it went from there. So, so the Olympics really was the be-all and end-all for you. Going into it was, that, that was the what Olympics it was all about. Was, yeah, the Olympics was the... Was, yeah was the end goal. Um, I never thought about the program once when I was in the Olympics, in the amateurs. I never thought about it. I mean, I used to watch some of the big, massive fights and used to think that was incredible. But while I was in the Olympics, there was only one goal for me as an amateur. There was only one one goal. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's really good to hear, actually, John, because we've had the conversation a few times, haven't we, where it, it very much seems as though People get all the support from the amazing GB program, but for some, it is just a step, stepping stone. So to hear Luke say stuff like that, that's I love that. That's what amateur boxing is all about. 
So going into the Olympic Village, what I mean, yeah, so right at sort of becoming part of London 2012, what was it like going into the village? I've always is it a sort of strange, quite surreal place to be? Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, we all get in there as a team, coming off a coach. You know, we all got our tracksuits on, and then we having to go through security, like just to get in this village. And then, like, you look around, and it's just athletes from all over the world, represent the best of the best, representing the, their countries, and it's very surreal surreal time for me um but i i remember the opening ceremony when we're all walking around and i could see everybody like like playing up to it all like oh this is amazing yeah picture there picture here and i could see everyone all getting excited and things like that and i just looked at them all and thought i'm i'm not here for this occasion i'm here for one thing and that's still for a gold medal and i, I never let any of that get to me Oh, I'm here. I've done it. I can say I'm Olympian. Not interested in saying I'm an Olympian unless I've got a gold medal. You know, and I could see a lot of people like every everything that they just like get really excited with it all. And but I just thought, nah, just stay calm, cool. You're here for one thing. So, how confident were you going into it then? Because, of course, you'd had the Good World Championships the year before, um, and not just you personally, the the team as well. Was there like this this bubbling of expectation, or did you? I suppose amateur boxing it's so unpredictable, isn't it? You can have one bad round or or one bad decision, and and the whole thing's yeah. out the window. But where were you psychologically before the games? Well. When I boxed in the World Championships the year before and got a silver medal and the Cuban beat me by two points, I was stood on the I was stood on the podium, number two in the world, and I just felt sick. Like I just really wasn't happy with his silver medal whatsoever. I just felt sick. So that needed to happen for me to because that the, it was the Cuban who won it that really drove my 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 focus, my mentality and really driven me that he's the guy I need to beat um, for the Olympics. So yeah, I was going into the Olympics in the best shape of my life. We've done training camp after training camp and international tournaments to preppers, right? And all that type of stuff. And, you know, I was focused and really determined just to go there and, and be the best I can be. And, if, if it didn't work out, at least I would have known deep down that I did everything possible. Well, you certainly put it, well, you did the best you possibly could. Is there a little bit of you that wished you'd boxed him? Um, I don't know. I've not, I don't know. I mean, well, he got beat. He did, yeah. John Nevin gave him a good beating, so... Mm -hmm. Um, um yeah, exactly. Nevin guess. Nevin actually beat him pretty handily. So in the final yeah. you were but he played into the next hands. best available. Yeah, played played right into Nevin's hands. So I was happy. I, I was um I was over the moon that it was an England Irish final because I'm half Irish myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you I'm sure you wouldn't have celebrated the Irishness if you were on the second No, Do you know what though? I'd have toasted the drink saying, uh, you know, the best man won. If I didn't get the decision and he beat me fair and square, I'd have, toasted a, I'd have had a toasted a drink with him and said, the, be the best man won. 
So you talked about the the opening ceremony and staying super focused all throughout that and, and doing your job, which you did. You went through all the rounds. You boxed incredibly well. You got the gold medal. Um, did you allow yourself to enjoy all the things that happened after? You know, I was just honoured to for everything else. Like, obviously, in the ceremony when I was getting my gold medal, you know, I was... I was happy, I was crying, um, and everything else was just sort of a, a blur, really, looking back now. It was all s s such a blur, but I did struggle for about nine months after the Olympics with, with everything, with everybody knowing who I was, what I was doing, where I am. Because for me, I've just been to a tournament, I've been to been doing tournaments around the world for a decade and then I just this one tournament all of a sudden everybody knows who I am what I'm doing where where am I like it was really hard to adapt to that to be honest with you it's really interesting because in because obviously you would have been well known say like you know in London when you had the big parade but I guess back home in Hull, that must have been magnified even more. So you'd have been oh. famous off the Olympics anyway, but even more so in your hometown. Uh, another very special moment uh, for me is the day I got home for the Olymp from the Olympics. Mm. I went to the, uh, the, the City Hall and there was 22,000 people that was outside of the City Hall waiting for me to arrive. <laughs> With flags and everything. I could not believe it. Like, it's giving me shivers now just talking about it. Like, <laughs> That was just unreal. Like the 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 council wanted me to go into the town centre to the city hall, you know, maybe uh, greet a few fans. I'm thinking, in my mind, that it's going to be a couple of hundred people max. Maybe a few people walking past, give them a little wave too. Um, and then as the drive the drivers like getting closer to town, I'm like, what are all these people doing? Because literally. <laughs> The the paths the pathways was jam packed, the roads was jam packed, and I, and I actually said to the driver, what, "What's going on? What are all these people um, doing?" He goes, "They're here for you," and I'm like, "What? They're here for me?" And I'm like, "Nah, no, nah, they, they can't be." And then I got out, then went up, and then looked on it. Just incredible. That's amazing. Um, you, so you had a, you actually had a bigger crowd just for your homecoming than you even did. Uh, in the arena, it's incredible, yeah. But, like so you said, sorry, John, I was, I was just going to ask, did they have um, like a stage set up? Did, did you address them? Did you say anything to them? Yeah, all? yeah, I addressed, I addressed them all, yeah, what yeah. Did you I, say? I, was, I was like on, on like on the, a balcony out on, on top, and then down below, there was you couldn't see one bit of concrete on, on the ground, it was just filled with people. That you wish you had a speech prepared. <laughs> well, I w I'm glad I didn't know I was talking to 22,000 people because I'd have got on the mic and I'd gone, I'd have gone, uh, 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 uh. that's what I would have done. So it just, I'm glad I didn't know about it. And then, you know, I just just spoke to him and said, wow, like, this is incredible. Can't remember actually what I said. Did they do you a gold post box? Yes. Nice. Where's where's that? Is that close to where you are now? Or? So it's sort of where near where I grew up. I love stuff like that. On the odd occasion <laughs> when I when I see when I'm like, I'll oh, get him. They've got a legend in these parts. 
Quite nice. <laughs> you know, those little things that they uh, that they think of to do. Ah, I'm really, really enjoying this. Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing these these stories. Oh no problem. Uh, what about the, the kind of change in in boxing then? Because you when you were doing it, it was the, the sort of scoring system. I'm looking now at the at the scores in your fights, and do you think they're a fair reflection? So it was like 14-11 against uh, against Nevin in the final, 20-11 against Shimizu as a comfortable victory, then 16-15 against uh, Dalakliev, who you've actually fought in the World Championships as well. Um, of course, knowing if you've won or not when you hear the final bell and you see the scores, did that one in the second round, did that feel like the closest fight at the Olympics for you? Oh, no, massively. Um, against Dekulev, um, mm. I, I thought that was robbing me. In the first round, I went out, I won the first round comfortable. I came back, I was two points down. I went out there in the second round, did it even better in the second round. Come back, I was still one point down. Mm. And I really, in the last round, I thought, Luke, the robbing you, like, you just got to go out there and give it everything. If you have to take one to give two, you got to do it. And literally, I went out there and threw everything. Uh, and I won the fight by one point. But if they'd have been scoring that fight correctly and fairly, I would have won that fight by a few, by a few more points and won. Um, but that that was then made into my hardest fight in the Olympics, that fight there. That was my hardest fight. And that declare, he, was, he was a former world champion. He, um, but he must hate me, that fella, because I beat him in the European final. <laughs> then I beat him in the Wales quarterfinal and then the Olympics quarterfinal. So that fella <laughs> must really hate me. Oh, just costing him medals willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah, because I was the only one that ever beat him in these big tournaments. Like, <laughs> you know, he used to go on and, be and beat all the other lads. I remember that quarterfinal because I remember watching it at the time and I was thinking you were in the midst of being robbed. It was yeah. incredibly stressful. I can't imagine what it was like to actually be in it because it was incredibly stressful just watching it because I, I, in amateur boxing, you really need to win the first round most of the time anyway. So they took that yeah. away from you. They took the second. And it was an amazing feat to turn under those circumstances to turn it around in the, in the third. And it was incredibly mm. stressful to watch. So I can only imagine what was going through your head yeah, during yeah. it. When this I is that was, was on the edge me. of an Olympic medal, that's what your whole life has been working towards. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. At the time, mm. I didn't know who would won the fight because I, I, I felt like I'd easy done enough to win the fight. But by the way the scoring was going, I just didn't know. So what are your thoughts on the way and about to scored now in comparison to how they were scored? When you were in the game? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I've not really got an opinion on it because I've not been in that, that scoring system to, to comment on. Um, I think, obviously, they're trying to make it more more like pro. That's why they're mm. taking away the head guards and, and all that type of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I prefer watching, just from watching... Probably the the computer scoring, I think, would have been better for the amateurs. And taking their head guards off them, I feel like you, these fighters are, can take a lot of, lot more damage. Like 
some of the fighters, they've got cuts all over the face through clashes of heads. You know, you're only fighting three rounds, so it's going to be at high pace. It's going to be quite erratic. So mm. taking head guards away from them, I think it's not... I don't know. I don't think it's... I think all you're doing is is hurting the, hurting the fighters even more. Yeah, I suppose particularly in a world championships where you've got to win six or seven fights to get a gold or silver. And you get a cut. That's a lot you of get time. a cut in the first fight. Mm-hmm. How do you continue? Yeah, yeah. Because I th- think the argument for bringing them in was about concussions, but you know that's a one side. The reason you wear head guards is to prevent cuts. That's why you wear them in cuts. sparring, exactly. And in a to- in tournament boxing, which is what amateur boxing is. It's really cuts you got to worry about when it's you know three rounds day after day. Just I'm just thankful that I guess I did have head guards in when I was doing it because you know I would potentially have a hell of a lot more cuts on my face right now. I mean, it is a small screen I'm looking at, but you're looking pretty good. It was an immensely successful team you had because obviously you know until once you would have been focused on your own performances and your own event, but once you got your gold. Because you could sit back and see, like you know, there were, as well as yourself, there were four other medalists. That was a very good GB team at the time going into it. Did you think? Did you have a feeling like this was a this was a special team that you were all part of? Um, I mean, I, I I knew it was a very talented team. Yeah, it was a very talented team. Um, you know, most of us had been training with each other for a long time, so. Um, yeah, but you know, but when I was going to tournaments and stuff, I wasn't really looking at the team. I was just looking at me, concentrating on me. You know, it's, I wasn't really bothered what anyone else was doing or or how they was performing. As long as I was going in there and winning, that was all that mattered. Did you ever feel any nerves, maybe in your first fight when you're going in with the Italian? Obviously, you would, you know, you would be expecting to get to the final. But oh, you know, were you nervous was, walking in there for the first time? I was so scared. Really? Yeah, I was so scared. I mean, it's the the hardest fight is the first fight. It's where you got all the pressure on you because you lose your first fight. So you're done, aren't you? You're out. You're out the tournament, and then you just sat there for the next two weeks, being sick, watching everybody else compete. You know, it's, I was really scared and nervous in the first fight. Uh-huh. Nervous uh-huh. in every one, uh, every fight, but the first fight, I was more scared out out of them all. Yeah, yeah, and that would have also been your first sort of real experience of the atmosphere and what it was like in the arena, which I guess must have been a bit of a surprise as well coming into that compared to yeah, the well, tournament. Yeah, well, that's where it all happened. Um, that's where it all happened. Like, the first fight is where you don't know what you're expecting. You're going out there to a massive crowd and it all happens out there. It, it rather breaks your makeshare within that first one. And by the time you got to the final, I think I think it was in the start of the third round, you landed across and dropped Nevin. Yeah, that must be a fairly sweet moment in your career when you've you know you've scored a knockdown. You're, you're two minutes away from the end. You must have. What was going through your mind then? I think for me then I saw for yeah I'm taking this. I've won this now. But I wobbled him in the first round, um, and I shook him. And that's when I sort of took control in the first round. Um, and then I think they might have had him winning the second round by one point, which I didn't really think he, he won it. 
Um, but anyhow, then I went out and just um, and won the third round by a couple more points. So, um, you know, it's always going to be an hard fight. And did you feel like when you got to the final, you were actually kind of peaking and boxing at your best when you most needed to as well? The idea was not to think. The idea was just to be in the moment, be in the present. Didn't want to think about nothing. Because the second you start thinking about things, all the walls start caving in. It's really interesting you talk about your mindset as well with those kind of things like focusing on yourself, not thinking about anything, but just, you know, keeping that that mindset. I guess that's those are that's the way an Olympic gold medalist needs to think to be successful. Yeah, I mean everybody's different. Everybody will think differently. Um just you know, whatever works for them. Certain things worked for me, what wouldn't work for anybody else. Um, you talked about watching, watching AJ's fight and supporting your teammates, but you were obviously very focused on your own performance, as you've said. Um, was being part of a team important, if not in the tournament itself, in the build-up to it with the training camps, with being in Sheffield? How important was the, the team? Oh, yeah, atmosphere? I mean, that was very important because... You know, there's you're not you're not getting up on your own in in the mornings, um, having to do the runs and um, go to the training sessions. You know, you're getting up as a team and you're all pushing each other. It's competition on the track in the morning, competition in the strength conditioning gym. You know, and the people that are doing it alongside you, they're going through the pains and the struggles. What you what you are, so it's it certainly helps with a team. But like I say, to be honest with you, I was just in my own little world. I was in my own bubble. I was gutted for some of the lads that that, that lost and, and um, was out the competition. Yeah, I was certainly gutted for them because, you know, I know what it's like to lose at tournaments and while the rest are still competing. But, you know, I was just thankful I was still in, winning and, uh, and, and still moving forward in, in the tournament. And it must have been quite a shock as well. So you're in, like you say, you're in that kind of bubble, very intense experience, but very focused. Then you come out of it to go home to Hull. And then I guess your whole life is different because now everyone knows who you are. Like you can't walk around the street and not be recognised. That's, that how, that's, that's why I was so shocked um, coming up to the city centre. I'm like, why are all these people? Because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a clue what was going on in the outside world. Like how the country came together um, for, for the Olympics. I didn't have a clue. You know, I was in my own little bubble in, in my little world. I was just in a tournament and nothing else was going on. But like, it was all good. Everyone in like, the country had come together and everyone's going crazy for it. And I didn't, re- I didn't know any of this until I'd sort of left the Olympic Village and went home and continued the journey. Yeah. But was it? In kind of what ways was it hard to to adjust to that? Because I, I I'm a private person. Yeah. Keep myself to myself. Keep my business to myself. You know, I've, I'm not a show off. I'm not cocky. I'm not big mouth. Um, I just keep myself to myself really, and I like my privacy. And then all of a sudden, boom! Everybody knows who you are, what you're doing, where you are, <laughs> and that was a big change for me. Um, I'm very thankful that. You know, I've I've got fans that are following me and that really enjoy watching me fight. Um, I'm very thankful for that. But it's weird because I just wanted a gold medal, but I didn't really, 
you know, I want striving to be famous. That was the I want I I want hunting it for that. You know, I was just wanting a gold medal for my country, my family. Mm. So, how was it kind of embracing that celebrity side of things then? And how long did you um and ah before you did the the Dancing on Ice show? I mean, I know it was sort of six or seven years ago now, but that was a definite sort of life change, wasn't it? From everyone knows you as an athlete, and then they think, oh, you know, he's that he's that celebrity guy. He's that guy I've seen on the television. Yeah, um, like I say, it was for the first nine months or something. It was hard just to come back down to normality really um and just that was it but going in a tv show like that was obviously fantastic for my profile to to enhance it going into the professional game um and you know i, I met i met some really nice people during that as well um and it was somewhat different like i say i've never done anything but boxing so for me it was somewhat different um and I got to the final, um, which was great as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was good to be a part of and nice to experience it. What is more intimidating, ice skating or boxing? Um, boxing's not intimidating, intimidating to me because I'm good at what I do. <laughs> so what you're saying but is ice, ice skating, skating is... I was out my comfort, my comfort zone in, in ice skating. You know, I was, I was the the last. I was the last one on the ice and the first one off in the boxing gym and the first one in and the last one out. But it was yeah. a fantastic um, show. It was mm. ice skating wasn't my strongest point, but you know, I tried and <laughs> I certainly developed um, some skills. They got you in some pretty good costumes as well, mate. Oh yeah. I still put them on on a Saturday night now. <laughs> <laughs> so now then, it's it's all focused on becoming a professional. Um, certainly is. That's that's my focus. I I, I want to be a world champion. Um, it's my focus, my dream. You know, I, I want to be a, a world champion, and I want to be known as one of the best in the world. You're exceptionally well. I thought. Your last fight, the way you boxed there, I thought you performed really well. It's just that you had Lomachenko of all people. Yeah, I didn't. I looked at that performance thinking, wow, I can be so much better than that. I was making so many little mistakes and certain tweaks in my style that I know I can change and tweak and be miles better. So I looked at that performance like knowing I can be much, much more better than that. Um, but, you know, it's... And if I can do that, then that's that's what I'm aiming to, to do because, you know, everyone says I boxed fantastic that night and I, I did great, but for me, I didn't. It's really interesting. So 12 rounds with Lomachenko is actually is actually going to make you a better fighter because he has found things and revealed things that you now know you need to work on. Yeah, and change and tweak. And when I come back at some point this year, you're going to see the best, best Luke Campbell speaking to myself in the third person <laughs> that that you've ever seen uh, and obviously you and Lomachenko were both gold medalists at London 2012 did you think that uh, you know about seven just over seven years later you'd be fighting him in a unification fight in front of what probably 20,000 people at the O2 
No, didn't think that. Didn't think that at all. You know, he's one guy I never wanted to come across in the amateurs. Let's be honest. I I, I never wanted to fight him in the amateurs. He, smashing everybody. He is an unbelievable talent. Um, but that didn't phase me in the professional, in the professional ring. Um, and like I said, I'd love another crack at him. Obviously, need to need to pick up a world title first and deserve that shot. But I'd love another crack at him in the future. I think I can yeah. do a lot better than that. Before I before I shoot, Luke, you were part of a, an amazing generation of British amateur fighters, and your gold medal is the sort of crowning glory of that. We've got another um, we've got another great crop in the camp at the moment. Now looking forward to twenty twenty one. As someone who's been there and seen it and done it, what do you hope that they all get from it other than, of course, the success of the gold medal? Like, what words would you have for them? Um, well, if it's your dream, give it everything you possibly can. Don't cut any corners um, because, you know, if you're only doing yourself justice if, if you're cutting corners. So if you give it everything you can, give it 100% and be the best you can be, and you, and and you don't make it for whatever reason, then you can live with yourself knowing that. But you know, go out there, be the best you can be, uh, and enjoy the moment because it'll all be over in a flash.